Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action helping others and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Heads up, the event is going to be taking place July 28th in Austin, Texas, actually in Georgetown, Texas. Um, We announced this a couple weeks ago. We announced it on our private Facebook page. I don't know how many emails I received of people saying they wanted to attend, but here's the deal. Only 50 tickets will be available. Um, the, the, see, the Eventbrite page is going to go live um, on Monday. Elite coaching members and VIP coaching members, you guys will have early access to reserve your seats to buy tickets. And then everyone else will have an opportunity to. I know a lot of you want to buy one and two tickets. And you're asking us why are you only doing a 50-person thing when you could obviously sell lots more. And the reason is, is because Julie and I don't like doing live events. That's the truth. We like doing small events where we could spend time with everybody and where everyone has a really extraordinary experience. As we've told all of you who maybe, maybe I have to remind myself, a lot of you haven't been listening to us for as long as others. You know, we have 121,000 people listening to us now. Julie, did I tell you that, the number? So, wow, that um, is more. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it is more. So when Julie and I were originally creating Premier Coaching and really everything we've done professionally outside, you know, beyond, beyond our real estate careers, we always did it in a selfish way in that we were thinking to ourselves, you know, if I were creating a product or if there, were, if there had been a mastermind like this or a coaching program like this available when Julie and I got into the business, you know, how much faster we would have been able to ascend. And we didn't do too bad, you know how much more we would have been able to do, how much further down the road we'd be than we are now if we'd had access to the information you guys have access to. That's the litmus test of everything we do. So when Julie and I are thinking about doing an event, uh, we're thinking about, well, what kind of event would we want to go to? What kind of event do we want to host? And it's a small, intimate event where literally we can get to, you know, have some personal time with every single person and all the attendees there are having that similar experience, not some just big wait in line, get your, you know, Get your lanyards, you know, stand in line for 20 minutes to get coffee or to go pee. I hate shit like that. And I know you guys do too. So look, that's it. We're going to have 50, we're going to have 50 tickets. They're going to be available. It's going to be July 28th. Look for the invite. It's going to be coming your way on Monday. Um, And then I'm sure we'll be doing more events, but we're probably just going to do them quarterly. And and my suspicion is based on the uh, demand for this first one is that we'll probably sell out uh, probably at least two events in advance, but we'll, you know, we'll gear that. I do not anticipate that we'll be doing larger events. We might speak at other people's larger events, but us doing private events uh, that are true masterminds that are designed to deliver maximum value, not selling events, that's what we're all about. You know, That's it. That's where we're coming from. So Julie, I know you have a lot of folks you want to thank and recognize, and then we're going to pick up where we left off a couple days ago on talking about investing. Yes, indeed. So let's start with some thank yous for some really wonderful book reviews. So we're talking about Harris Rules is the name of the book. You can find it at Amazon.com. Again, we have to remember not everybody's been with us for that long necessarily. So you can get your downloadable version to your device or your hard copy or the audible version at uh, Amazon.com. And again, that's called Harris Rules. Here's a review of that from M. Reeve. Many will buy this book. Some will read. Very few will do. Be the few that does, and you will live a low-stress and financially successful life. Most agents live in a chaotic, reactionary world 
with a lumpy income stream where it's feast or famine. In an industry without employee supervision, <laughs> let Harris Rules be your guide. Better yet, hire Tim and Julie to be your boss, parentheses, coach. So thank you so much for that uh, really well-written and super well-received review. So thanks for that. And a shorter one, enjoyable and helpful, wonderful for those starting in real estate, a must-read for seasoned agents looking to recharge their careers. And just one more, <clears throat> excuse me, from DeMarco Smith, a straightforward guide to real estate success. I'm a new agent with lots of motivation, and this read has been a goldmine of information to catapult my business. An excellent read for anyone in sales. Thanks, Julie and Tim. So thank you guys for helping to make this our number one best-selling book on Amazon. And if you haven't got it yet, you know what to do. <clears throat> Next, we're going to go to Facebook. And we have a very recent post from Mary Johnson May, who lives in Cranberry Lake, New Jersey. I will not be on today's coaching call. Fortunately, I will be on my second listing appointment this week. Super excited for this year. Thanks to Julie Harris, I'm on track to reach my goals for the first time in nine years. This is one of our premier coaching members. Uh, I took one listing in January, signed another to start in February 1st, two appointments this week, one buyer closing next week. I have more drive and confidence than I have ever had. Bring it on. I got this. Keep doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. So thank you and congratulations to Mary Johnson May in New Jersey. Back to you, Tim. So heads up. I know a lot of you who are reading the private Facebook page are absolutely kicking ass, more so than you ever have in the past in your careers. Um, and like that book reviewer of Harris Rules, uh, she was touching on the fact that a lot of folks are discovering us after having sort of been up and down the mountain trying to figure out how to be successful long-term in real estate. They have heard us probably say, doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level is really the truth, you know? But maybe <laughs> it's funny when I read this too, Julie. I heard Tim and Julie say that on their podcast, you know, two, three years ago, and I didn't want to hear it. Now, they don't come out and say it like that. But they'll say like, when I was buying leads, I was doing postcards, I was doing branding, I was doing my CRM, I was doing all this other stuff, and none of it was working. And everyone was telling me, you know, if I just wait long enough, that stuff will eventually pay off. Um, and, you know, guys, in some ways it does, but the reality of it is, is if you want true long-term, ever-increasing levels of success, you really have to just wrap your arms around and embrace doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. And for a lot of you, that means actually mastering the art of being a really fantastic salesperson, the best version of a salesperson that you can be. Harris Rules lays the foundation for that. I, I am very encouraged by all the new people that discover us. Um, I'm even more encouraged, and I, maybe it's just because I'm kind of a grizzled veteran myself, for all the grizzled veterans that discover us. Those are typically the people that ask Julie and I to be their personal coaches. And I'll tell you, listeners, here's really the kind of how these calls go. You'll, I'll get somebody on the phone, and some of you are listening right now, and you're thinking about asking Julie and I to be your personal coaches. And uh, tell me if I'm not hitting the nail on the head with everything I'm about to say. You know, we'll have this call. And you'll tell me how you are a top producer, how you get a lot of business from your centers of influence and past clients, how you don't really do anything consistently, um, maybe occasional postcards or things of that nature. You're not very proactive in how you lead generate. You probably have two or three assistants. You probably are the top agent in your office, maybe one of the top couple agents in your brokerage or in your market, right? Has sound familiar so far? Some of you, I know it does. But here's what's happening. You have had some kind of lightning strike in your life. It's usually I notice this uh, with uh, men. Sometimes it's men and women both. It's sometimes in their late 30s. But usually I see a lot of people having their own personal come to Jesus session when they're in their early 40s, breaking into 40s. Sometimes it's people breaking into 50. Sometimes it's people in their mid 50s, right in that age group. There are people that basically say, you know what? I have been putting my pedal, my foot to the floor for the past 10 years. 
and I have been having this nice lifestyle. I've kind of gotten used to the, you know, the nature of being a high producing, top producing agent. I've followed gimmicks. I've gone to some of these, you know, fairy tale type events and chased the brightest silver bullet. This is a type of call that I have with you guys often. Some of you are listening right now. I know I'm going to have this call with you after basically, you know, getting this little spiel here. So what happens then is that you will then have the epiphany. Somehow something's going to bring you to the realization that you do not have, uh, you do not have much to show for your career. That is really, um, some, some of you causes heartbreak. Some of you basically it causes you to just turtle up and you just keep on, you know, staying on that same path and never really do anything to change it. Others of you, and these are the people that end up hiring us to coach them, will come to us and they'll say, Julie, I am tired of not having more rental properties or more passive income or all this debt, or I'm tired of everyone giving me these awards and these plaques and patting me on the back. But in the back of my head, I know I've really got nothing to show for it. My net worth has not increased. My level of financial security has not changed. The quality of my life is still staying the same year in and year out. I need to make a change. You know, those are the people that when you guys find us, I love those calls, to be honest with you, because you're ready to be coached. You have enough experience to know what's bullshit and what's not. And you're going to actually listen and take action on it. My challenge to all of you is if you're in that situation, be, be remember I said some of you turtle up and you basically are, are scared of making changes. My challenge to those of you who are in that situation, the grizzled veteran types, I challenge you to be honest with yourself if you like the results you're getting from what you're doing. And if you don't like the results from what you're doing, you think you're going to like the results from what you're doing a year from now, two years, year, 10 years from now. You think things are going to change. They're not. They're going to stay the same. You probably need an outside force to affect change in a positive way. And sometimes that's going to be uncomfortable. That's the way it's supposed to go. Those are the people that we like to coach. If you think you're one of those people, um, I want you to email Julie or I directly, Tim at timandjulieharris.com or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. And by the way, Julie and I only take on 20 to 25 personal clients. That's it. Now we have thousands of people in our other coaching programs, but in our own personal schedules, you know, that's it. That's all we're going to coach. So if you think you might be a fit, email us and we'll, we'll talk with you about it. So sorry about that soapbox, but every time I hear and Julie reads these comments, I always, I know where you guys are coming from because I've been on the phone with you so many times. You know, I know what your pains are and I hope all of you realize that whatever it is that you think's holding you back, it's in your head. For the most part, you can work your way around it if you're just willing to make yourself uncomfortable. You know, I had Steve Myers as a frequent listener. He's in Tennessee as a coaching client. And Julie, I didn't, I haven't, I mean, you know a little bit about Steve because he sent Zoe some nice flowers, but uh, Steve yeah. is a really, really, he's, he's a really great guy. He's, he's been with me for maybe six months, but here's what he's done. Listen to this mm -hmm. guy. Listen, Julie, he's getting all of his health mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, I mean, he's really he's becoming a rock star. He posts his OTF results almost every day. You know, he's, you know, uh, know taking care of himself mm -hmm. medically. He's uh, starting to drill down and starting to prospect on a regular basis. He's basically, and he's in his mid fifties, he's basically decided that he's going to have a rebirth of Steve Myers and he's going to recreate himself from the ground up. And it is so much fun to see this guy rediscover what an amazing gift being a real estate agent is, but really what an amazing, amazing gift having the life of a real estate agent is if you are truly willing to you know, lock it in and take it seriously and do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. And by the way, that's the essence of why he's becoming so fantastic and making so much money is because he's not fighting that any. Well, he fights it every day, but he does it anyway, right? He doesn't want to go to OTF every morning. 
He doesn't want to prospect every morning. He doesn't want to do the other things we ask him to do. But now he's starting to get in the, you know, he's been doing it for 90, 120 days. He's starting to get in the groove of it. Things are starting to become easy. It's becoming a new lifestyle. And he's starting to see that his whole world is changing. If you think you're ready for that, um, yeah, Tim at timandjulieharris.com or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. So, Julie, let's, let's get back to our investing notes. Yes, absolutely. So, good time to be taking notes. We're talking about how to choose which multifamily you might want to purchase for yourself or possibly help clients if you have this type of prospect. And how do you find them? So, we're going to cover a lot of ground, and this might end up being a two-part show. We'll see how it goes. So, let's talk about... Number one thing we all grew up on, real estate, location matters, right? So location is the utmost important for real estate investors, even more so when you're investing in multifamily properties. You have more tenants. Each and every unit has to appeal to your potential renters. So location generally is seen as the most desired criteria. When investing in multifamily properties, investors should pay attention to high growth, high yield areas where properties are in high demand, well-maintained neighborhoods. And Tim, you've talked on almost all of our uh, podcasts on this topic about not buying in what you think might possibly someday in the future be an up-and-coming neighborhood. You want to stick with tried and true because you know, you're taking a little bit of risk here. You want to be careful. Then you're going to look at, after location, the total number of units. So you're going to evaluate the property as a whole. Investors have to take into consideration the amount of units in the property, including the number of rooms in each unit. Beginning investors should start with the three types of multi-family properties, the duplex, which is two units, the triplex, three units, and the fourplex, four units. These types of properties offer more upside with the least amount of risk because there's fewer units, and they are generally more affordable than buying something that's two or 300 units. So that's a good place to jump into this. And Tim, slow me down if I start sounding obtuse here. Um, so guys, Julie's notes, yeah. uh, level off. Julie's notes are going to be posted for Premier Coaching members in their entirety on the uh, member site, and then we'll also have a summary on our main site, timandjulieharris.com. Um, so if you're not, if you're just tuning into uh, Julie presenting this information for the first time, we've done, I think, three or four shows leading up to this point. So please go back and listen. Go ahead, Julie. Yes, because there's a lot to it. So uh, potential income, of course, we have to look at this. You've got to determine the, in, uh, the income that this potentially can accrue. Now, in some cases, there's a long rental history. But in other cases, they're recently renovated or maybe rents haven't been changed in years. So there's a great resource called Rentometer, R-E-N-T-O-M-E-T-E-R, or rentometer.com. Okay, and I actually checked this against some of our rental properties, and I would say it seems pretty accurate to me, actually down to almost down to the dollar on what I checked. So rentometer.com, you can check uh, potential rents, and they actually were very good at finding the exact addresses very quickly and were quite accurate. You can also check things like Craigslist to see what ads are being run against the property that you would potentially be owning and then renting. You want to verify rental prices, not based on what somebody said. You know, you see all these ads, Tim, that say, you know, rent hasn't been changed in years or potential rent of. Well, don't just believe that without checking it. So sources like Craigslist and Rentometer. Uh, and of course, when you are figuring this out, the conservative approach is to figure 50% of that income is going to go to expenses, not to the mortgage. For some people, that's kind of conservative and mild, but that will keep you honest on your projections. 
especially if it's an older building. So make sure that you're getting the next category, the real costs, right? Okay, so now we're going to talk about the costs of multifamily, and every situation is going to be different when you're financing this type of transaction, but especially with multifamilies. For example, perhaps you as the investor are going to choose to live in half of a duplex and rent the other side. So that means that you would actually qualify for owner-occupied financing versus uh, as a traditional rental property financing. So this means the income from the second unit is factored into the lender's qualifying ratio. Investors should also consider, of course, your credit score when you're looking at your financing options. This is uh, important as well as your credit, your debt to income ratio, your down payment, all of the normal things that you know uh, from doing your residential transactions still apply to your multifamily. But as we went over at the beginning of our podcast series, all the numbers you need to know before you do this, and certainly credit was one of those. Next thing you need to know about is the seller themselves. We don't often think about that with commercial property, but it is critical to know who is selling. Why? Because the purchase price can vary greatly depending on the seller and the seller's motivation. It's imperative for investors to have an understanding of who they're dealing with. For example, dealing with a bank-owned property is going to be very different than if you're going directly to a for sale by owner property, which means there's potential for cost savings on, say, an REO type of property. Know who the seller is. Know what their motivation is. Know what their time frame is. Next, that leads us to how are you going to find these properties? Now, one of the most interesting things that I came across was the HUD. Okay, what's HUD? Housing and Urban Development Department. Now, you're going to find multifamily investments at a discount through them using a program that they have set up. It's called the Multifamily Property Disposition, which sounds like a bunch of nothing, right? <laughs> so what is that? Multifamily property disposition. This program is for foreclosed HUD-held multifamily properties. They manage them, they sell them. So this is a great place for you to start. And in fact, I went to that to check it out just to make sure that you know it was still up and running and it was what I thought it was. When you go there and you can just uh, type multifamily property disposition HUD, that'll take you to their website they have a place that you can sign up for a free email list regularly updated of all of their multifamily properties that are available. So that's an easy way to gain access to that for free. Next we have loopnet.com, that's L-O-O-P like Paul, net.com, loopnet.com. And this has videos, photos, you can search uh, for property online. This is what a lot of commercial agents use. It can also connect tenants and investors with brokers like you guys, and uh, just basically guidance through that search. So loopnet.com is a great resource. Then we have a whole bunch of individual commercial brokerage websites from companies you guys are already familiar with. For example, remaxcommercial.com lists those Remax multifamilies on their website. Coldwell Banker has one called CBC, as in Coldwell Banker, cbcworldwide.com, so you can search their site. And then, just like regular residential, we have for sale by owners with multifamilies. And you can find those by going to buildingsbyowner.com, and that's for buying, selling, and leasing real estate by owner. 
Now, they also have some very good universal commercial forms like leasing documents and things of that nature that you can get right off their website, download, and print for yourself. So, so anything you want to add up. so far, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, let's level off there. So a couple, couple, a couple things, right? A couple things when you're going and you're, let's say you already have your, you know, your war chest of single families and you got some, you know, stability with the rents and everything's good. Now you're wanting to buy multifamilies. Again, we're advocates of starting small and then building methodically, uh, so you're not taking too much risk. I just had a coaching call today with somebody who basically wants to purchase properties based on hypothetical appreciation, and he's just getting started, and we think that's a huge mistake. You should always buy for cash flow and then depreciation on your taxes, and the appreciation is just a bonus. And those of you on the coast are saying, holy shit, Tim, I'm not going to be able to make the numbers work if I buy places in, say, California or wherever else. You're right, you won't because you're not going to be able to get a very good, if any, return on investment. You will probably end up funding that tenant's lifestyle because you will have to go out of pocket every month to make the mortgage payment. And our humble opinions that if you're just getting started in real estate, buying off the idea that you're going to basically have a winning lottery ticket uh, through appreciation is a mistake. And we strongly suggest you guys start looking outside of your immediate markets. And we've talked about this before. Um, you can go to North Carolina, you know, you can go to Indianapolis, Indiana, around Butler University, Columbus, Ohio, around Ohio State, you know, go to these second and third t uh, tier markets, and you're going to find pro properties that you can buy. Um, and then, oh my gosh, how am I going to manage them? Well, managing the properties that are distanced from you are really simple. You need a local agent to help you rent them out. You can hire a property manager. Most property managers will charge you five or 6%, no big deal. Um, if your cash flow is really tight, you can actually manage it yourself but just hire somebody locally to get it leased up. And if you put a good quality tenant in there, and remember we are advocates of not buying marginal houses in marginal areas. We're asking you guys to buy nice houses in nice areas, uh, probably less than 200,000. Most of the properties you'll find are gonna be 150, 175, if not less. You can go to you know, North Carolina, Charles, Charlesville, North Carolina. You can buy stuff for like 125, 130. And you can get those things rented guys for 13, you know, 12. Julie, we have a couple there. What's it, what, is it a dollar a foot or is it more? little bit more it's a little bit better than that which is pretty good yeah yeah right so you can you can buy a yeah. 1400 square foot house and get 1400 dollars a month and the cash and the uh, taxes there isn't a lot but anyway we use uh what we've always done is we basically do exactly what i said we'll uh buy nice properties in nice areas that way we have a choice of good quality tenants we have a tendency to make our properties a little bit nicer than they need to be and make our rents a little bit uh less expensive that way they're easier to get rented and keep rented um, and then you uh, essentially manage them yourself and you can use Buildium, uh, Buildium.com to, uh, that's what Julie and I use to manage all your properties. Uh, or there's a lot of other programs as well. But the point of it is as you scale your holdings, it's going to become more of an organizational nightmare, but don't feel overwhelmed by it. Just start small and then add one methodically. Um, one of the things also you got to remember, commercial real estate brokers, if say you have your foundation, you're going to start buying multifamilies, commercial real estate brokers do not necessarily advertise their listings outside of their own websites. In other words, the residential community, we get a listing and we share it with everyone, right? It goes on six bazillion different websites as soon as you stick it on the MLS. Commercial doesn't work the same way. That's the reason Julie's telling you. Oftentimes, you're going to have to go to the big guys yourself. Or you're going to have to drive neighborhoods, believe it or not, just look for signs. And you're going to try to pull up, up you know, your Zillow or Realtor.com app on your cell phone and the property is not going to be in there because commercial realtors ha have a tendency not to allow or not to advertise their stuff off their, you know, other than just on their own websites. So keep that in mind. Commercial is a different, um, you know, it's a different uh, bag of nails, if you will. 
Um, and then the next point, Julie, MLS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, our good old-fashioned MLS, sometimes you can find good stuff in there. We've found some uh, duplexes and things of that nature that are, for whatever reason, either fresh listings or, you know, it just depends on what it is. So don't forget about your, quote, normal MLS. Some of your residential MLSs also have commercial listings. Some of them don't. You have to know your way around your own MLS. I always tell my premier coaching agents when your continuing ed credit is is needed and you can pick up something like that, you know, most agents use like three different search options in their MLS and they're doing themselves a disservice because they're not actually finding what's uh, available there. And I also wrote down, use creative searches with keywords, especially those of you who are interested in doing some rehab work. You can search using as is, you can search handyman special or just the word handyman. Uh, you could search rough condition. You can, you know, do some creative searches. And I like to remove the area code just to see maybe there's some great little pocket of your town that you're not familiar with because you don't sell there and you don't live there. But it maybe it's a honey hole for uh, commercial property for multifamily, or maybe there's a whole neighborhood full of brand new duplexes that are doing very well. So you got to be able to find that. I have an agent, Tim, in Chicago that finds a lot of commercial listings by simply, I mean, this is very old school, but he literally drives around and he looks for those big metal signs on the side of the buildings, which are there permanently, you know, for the tenants to know who to call. You look at the sign and it says, you know, uh, property owned by Bob Smith, call his phone number, and he's got listings that way. So you have to not just do one of these things. You have to be doing all of them to have access to everything available. Then I wrote down, and, of course, rent. Well, and for, yeah, go ahead. for rent by owner, too. For rent by owner. Mm -hmm. I, I actually think that might be part of your next point. So for rent by owner, guys, just look. They, uh, you know, they'll stick their stuff in the local papers. I see a lot of uh, you know, landlords putting their properties on Craigslist because it's free. They'll might stick it on Zillow, a properties for rent, realtor.com properties for rent. So if you're going to really deep dive into this, if you're in a really competitive market and you're wanting to start buying multi door, you know, multiple uh, door buildings, multifamilies, then you're going to have to probably more be more creative. As Julie said a second ago, there's a lot more competition for units where people can manage to get um, government backed financing. And I think it's a six unit or less that you can basically live in one of the units and you can just get a relatively straightforward mortgage on it. Those are gonna be where you're gonna find your most uh, fierce competition. Uh, I do wanna reiterate that we strongly advocate all of you guys starting buying single family houses. I realize that you're not gonna to find too many other people that say that. Matter of fact, you're gonna have a lot of people that say you're a fool to buy single family houses, but our formula, it really kind of, it won't, there's no, it's almost fail proof because if you buy a nice single family house, and one of these nice conservative areas, and you buy it off cash flow, you buy it off the idea it's going to depreciate, you can use it for depreciation on your taxes, um, and then hypothetical appreciation. If it's a nice house, little single family, three bedroom, maybe a four bedroom, two bath, two and a half bath, single car garage, nothing fancy, those houses always do well no matter what the economy is doing, assuming you're not hiring or you're not buying them in these marginal up and coming areas, which as you heard us say three or four shows ago, we're not advocates of when you're just getting started investing. All the stuff that people like to brag about and beat their chests about, I made this and I did the other thing, those people probably had existing properties and they were real, and they uh, basically were on the right side of the big bet. Be conservative when you're starting out investing. That way you don't have to have the real estate night sweats and worrying too much about 
Um, you know, if you guys think about this, do you want to get stuck with making a big mortgage payment on some big house that's in Pasadena, California, just because you thought maybe one day it'll appreciate by 100% over the next five years, it's going to appreciate it. And you're having to shovel out a thousand a month just to make the mortgage payment. And all of a sudden the tenant's gone. Now you're shoveling out 3,500 a month and all of a sudden your cash flow sucks. And oh, by the way, a tree fell on the house and <laughs> you guys get the point. It's just too much yeah. risk for most, most of you can't really honestly financially- uh, handle it. It's not worth the risk. It isn't. So start small and then start adding. So Julie, you had a couple more points. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And you kind of have to build up your thick skin dealing with some of this. I I really think it's not as bad as uh, people make up in their heads. People always talk about, well, I don't want to be called about a clogged toilet about this or that. Well, get an American Home Shield warranty and let them call the warranty company. You know, there's lots of different ways to manage it. And that's another reason to start smaller, get used to dealing with it, find out if that's your cup of tea or not, and then you can move up the scale. So the next but, Julie, source is you, you, yeah. you just, you just said something that's really important. Okay. So listen to what Julie's saying. I know we're about, we're talking to you guys about where to go look for listings and now Julie and I are bouncing around, but still um, this is good stuff. You can put an American home shield warranty on all your rentals. It costs 325 bucks a year. And in Buildium, you set it up. So there's a tenant portal. The tenant will go to Buildium and when they have any sort of problem, you can basically make it so that if it's a tenant created problem uh, that they have to pay the deductible to AHS and then they have to call AHS or sometimes that might be something that's pushed back on you. But that is a process. So if they clog a toilet, you're not going to pay that $125 deductible. They are. And you'll find that you all of a sudden start getting tenants. They're going to do a lot more to take care of, you know, fix their own problems. But really, we have never had a lot of problems with that. Again, nicer properties and nicer areas and nicer tenants will respect you and take, you know, they, they're sending us Christmas cards and whatnot. Tenants are. Um, so when you're, your fear of basically clogged toilets in the middle of the night, that's what everyone likes to say, right? Guys trying to sell you mm -hmm. stocks and insurance. Have you noticed that they always like to say that? Do you want to be dealing with clogged toilets on Christmas Eve? You know, it's because they don't want you putting yeah. money in rental properties. They want you buying stocks and securities because they can make commission off you. Just put this in balance, guys. So let's look at the, you know, just talk real briefly about the next big sphere. What if the tenant trashes the house? Well, guess what? You will have a version of homeowner's insurance that covers the house if the tenant trashes the house. And you can have a rider on there that covers missed rent, lost rent for like six months. So you can literally make it. You can totally mitigate your risk of a tenant trashing the property. We've never had that happen again. Um, again, nice houses, nice area, nice tenants, and they want to protect their credit. So you have a uh, insurance to cover it if it were to happen. You have insurance to cover it if there's a huge tree that falls on it or a tornado. or So all your downside risk you guys can mitigate with not a lot of money. Okay? You guys understand well, what we're getting at here? are are kind of nice when there's a hailstorm and it's covered by insurance, you get a new roof. It's not all bad. That's right. So there you go. Uh, yep. Yeah, there's some upside too. Now, uh, we're going to run the bed on where else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. AHS covers a lot of that too. I think your point about uh, nice properties, nice tenants, you want to treat your tenants like you would want to be treated yourself, or maybe some of you are tenants yourselves still. I find that the more you communicate, the less likely they are to do things that are going to make you mad when they move out. So uh, just use your head about that. Redfin and Zillow, you can find some property listings there. And you can also research the history of a property oftentimes using those websites. So that's all good. I think especially when you're buying outside of your market and you're trying to get 
some information on area rents and things like that, what's happening, looking at the map, what's around it. You can use Google Earth to fly over a potential property and see if it backs up to a pig farm or not, for example, or any number <clears throat> excuse me, of other things that might affect the value. Alternatives, go find it yourself using your own bandit signs. You have all driven past these. Uh, we, where it says something like, I pay cash for homes, we buy ugly homes, looking for multifamilies, investor looking for homes in the area. You know, it just depends on what's around, how, kind, how much call volume you're going to get. But usually when you see them, it's because it's working. Try it out yourself. And then the flip side to that is you can call those companies, like uh, we pay cash for homes, and find out what their turndowns are. They are not buying everything. Sometimes the cap rate isn't right for them, the area isn't right for them, the property wasn't right for them, or any of, you know, all of those together. So be friends with those guys, they're in almost every town, and find out what the skinny is there. So we've given you quite a few resources to find them. On future podcasts next week, we're going to talk about specific ways to finance uh, commercial property, multifamily property, duplexes, triplexes, and all the rest. So pay attention to that. We're also going to be talking about how 1031 exchanges work. Many of you have asked about that, wanted to know if we're going to be covering that, and yes, absolutely we will. So back to you, Tim. Well, so guys, here's hopefully what we're doing. We're hopefully giving you enough information to get you motivated to actually take action on this. Uh, so let's say you've gotten to the point now where you are no longer worried. You're not going to let all these, you know, the fear mongering about, you know, the clogged toilets prevent you from moving forward. And let's say you are now realizing that your real financial business, the business that you're truly in isn't really selling homes. It's making a profit from selling homes. And with that profit, you reinvest it. We talk about this in chapter 17 of our best-selling book, Harris Rules. With that profit you have from selling homes, you buy cash flowing properties, ideally, or businesses, but mostly properties easier to get into. And then from that, that cash flow eventually makes it so that you have enough money coming in every month that you no longer have to work for your, uh, you no longer have to work for your money because your money is working for you. You guys follow me on that? If you read the book, Harris Rules, I know you do. So now that you have that gumption, the next thought you're going to have entering your mind is, where am I going to get the down payment? How am I going to go about, you know, getting the loan and all that? So here's what I want all of you to do. Here's your homework. And then Julie's going to give you some financial, uh, you know, overview of how to go about it. I want you, prior to next week's show, where Julie presents that information, to call up your local loan officer and just ask them what it would take for you to buy one single family house. Get the parameters, understand the, you know, the working rules for making that work, and then be prepared so when Julie's uh, giving you the financial information next week, you guys won't be overwhelmed, you'll be more comfortable with the information. The main thing is, is once you get all this working, you can make this into a system and you can put yourself on a steady annual diet of buying one, two, three, or four you know, maybe more rental properties. You oftentimes, when you get yourself locked into the idea that you can make this work, you'll find yourself actually attracting more potential opportunities. Hey, there's a FISBO. Looks like it might make a good rental. Hey, there's an expired. Maybe I, you know, those types of things. You will start tuning into whatever station it is that helps you to accumulate more um, wealth because you now have the formula to make it happen and you're in the process of overcoming your natural and normal fears of failing. You guys can mitigate most of the pressure points as long as you buy nice properties in nice areas and put in nice tenants. And then you just follow what we said as far as the insurance and different things like that. And you will probably have to put down 20 or 30 percent, 
So when you're calling your loan officer, tell them that that's your goal. And then we can start talking about how to create that 20 or 30% because you can create some of that with your commission. You may be, be able to create all of that with getting owner to carry uh, financing. That's not, it's actually fairly easy to do as long as you know how to you know, work deals like that. So all kinds of creative things. In the meantime, if you guys need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. <laughs> Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate... This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.